How do companies create a culture and core values that employees actually live out? The team at The Receptionist, a Denver-based software company, sets out to answer that very question. Welcome to The Fabric. Here's your host, Michael Ashford. Hey everyone, welcome to a very special episode of The Fabric. I am, as always, your host, Michael Ashford. And in this episode, I'm going to recap with you some of our favorite moments here on the show in the year that was 2023. We're going to bring you some of our favorite clips, some of our favorite insights and perspectives from the guests and the episodes that we did here on the show. But before I get into that, I want to highlight just some of the changes that were made here on the show in 2023 and bring your attention to just some of the things that we're super proud of here at The Receptionist about the show that The Fabric has become. The first thing that I want to bring to your attention is the name itself. We actually dropped the word podcast from our name. So instead of just being called The Fabric Podcast, it's now called The Fabric. And this came about when one of our guests, who's actually a customer of ours, Courtney Bell, she inadvertently called it The Fabric. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on The Fabric Podcast. Thank you for having me and inviting me to The Fabric. I'm excited to be here. And so we thought, hey, that has a nice ring to it. I actually like how that sounds. We discussed it internally and that's when the name actually changed. You may not have noticed the change, but it did actually, we did actually change the name. So it net, it led to a redesigned show, a redesigned ID graphic that you see in your podcast feeds. If you're subscribed, all of that changed because of just dropping the word podcast from our show name. So it is now the fabric that you are listening to. We also redesigned our show opener for the video version of the podcast. We really went kind of in depth with the video version of the podcast, paying more attention to what goes out there in video, especially on our website, but really paying attention to what goes out there on YouTube. So what was formerly a static logo has now become a vibrant collection of moments in our studio to kick off the show. It was just really highlighting the moments that have taken place here and that that culture, that those core values that we really want to bring about that led to other visual changes throughout each episode. So that has certainly changed as the name has changed. Now, I mentioned YouTube earlier, and our YouTube viewers actually spent nearly 20% more time with our episodes than in 2022. And again, this was a big emphasis for us this year, is wanting to show more of this space that I'm in. If you're watching, you can see our studio, wanting to really highlight that. If you watch our show on YouTube, thank you for just the added attention, the added time that you've spent with us on YouTube, and we absolutely will continue to pour into that at youtube.com slash the receptionist app. Part of that attention to YouTube is we increased our YouTube subscriptions by 71%. And so if you're not subscribed, why not? Come on now. <laughs> we hope you'll consider it helping us increase that percentage as we look ahead to the next year forward. And again, a lot of emphasis will be placed there, not just in podcast episodes, but in showing you more of the behind the scenes here at The Receptionist, bringing you more, uh, more content from the entire team, not just me. I love being on camera. I love being in front of a microphone, but we want to show you more of the team. And we did that a lot in 2023 as we brought on more of our team members onto the show as guests. I believe we had four team members as guests, and that's wonderful. We love that. 
as a host, it's always been challenging to look into a lifeless camera lens instead of the faces of our remote guests. And we do a lot of our interviews remotely. And so our new setup reflects guest video on a teleprompter screen in front of a camera lens. And I'm actually looking at that teleprompter screen right now. Hopefully you can't tell that I'm looking at some notes <laughs> that are scrolling on this teleprompter screen. This is off script ad hoc but they feel as though I'm looking at them. I can see and react to their nonverbal cues because they display on that screen ahead of me. And as a result, our hope is that you as the viewer or yeah, as the viewer, that you're getting a much more natural feeling dialogue and that our listeners and, and viewers are actually hearing that come through in my voice as well. And that the guests themselves feel more of that natural dialogue as well. So just the setup here, again, we want to give you more of a behind the scenes. The setup here has hopefully led to greater interactivity with the show and more of a natural look and feel. So those are just some of the changes that we made to the show in 2023, and we're going to continue to bring those to you as we look ahead. Now we want to get into some of our favorite moments from each of our episodes that ran in 2023. Now keep in mind, there were a lot of changes to the style of the show, some of which I just detailed. So if you're watching this, this, the clips will look and kind of feel a little bit inconsistent, but we just want to bring you our favorite moments, our highlights from the show. So as you may know, fun is one of our core values. Fun is the F in fabric. Fun, authentic, bold, respectful, innovative, and collaborative. And if you've listened to the show and you haven't heard me say that, I don't know what you're listening to or watching. But this core value of fun is most brought out when we have other team members on the show. And like I mentioned, we had four team members on the show in 2023. And I wanna to bring to you a moment that actually didn't make it on the show, but still exemplifies this core value in our commitment to fun. This is with Raven Lawless. She brought up a point in a movie that brought out the difference between employee supremacy and shareholder supremacy. And again, Employee supremacy and shareholder supremacy is something we talk about a lot. We're going to talk about more in the highlights, but just this was a fun interaction for us that didn't make it onto the show, but we wanted to share with you all here in this recap episode. Have you seen The Amazing Spider-Man 2? <laughs> I know that I have. I could not tell you that I paid too much attention to it. <laughs> There's many Spider-Man movies. It's fine. Yeah. So I thought that this was such a great example of what a shareholder <laughs> supremacy can have an effect on you. Okay. <laughs> Um, so Jamie Foxx as Electro, um, he works for Oscorp, which is yes. very much a shareholder supremacy. Very much so. Um, he is an electrical engineer there and people don't remember his birthday. They make him work late. Uh, you know, they really don't value him. And then, you know, what happens is another employee who's not valued doesn't turn off the electricity for him. Um, there's a mm. lot of things going wrong where they don't have these safety, uh, procedures set up in the workplace. And, you know, I'm sure there's some OSHA violations going on there as well. <laughs> That's what leads him to fall in the tank and, you know, lose his humanity. While there's other issues going on there, oh you know, gosh. if they had treated Electro like a human being, It'd be a very different movie. <laughs> very well, you wouldn't have a movie at that point, right? <laughs> no, that's fascinating. I'm gonna ha have to go back and watch that <laughs> just to, <laughs> just to get the employee supremacy vibes this time. So that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now, as part of those core values, bold as that be, right there in the middle. And sometimes it's not all fun and games. Sometimes we have to be bold, and while still respectful in that boldness, we have to 
speak our minds in ways that may or may not perfectly align with everyone else, including the guests that we have on the show. And this was absolutely exemplified in a couple of episodes this year with an HR consultant named Andrew Bartlow. Andrew was on the show and in one of the short episodes with me, Andrew and I got into some points of contention where he and I did not agree. We disagreed respectfully, but it was really highlighting this difference between employee supremacy and shareholder supremacy. The way we operate here at The Receptionist is very different than a way a lot of companies who are shareholder value driven operate. And there was some, we didn't always agree. Andrew and I just simply didn't agree on some points. And we want to bring out one of those moments to you right now. What are we in business to do? What is our mission? What is our vision? What is our purpose? Yes, we want to delight our customers. Yes, we want to connect people, uh, whether you're Disney or Facebook Meta. I would suggest, even though I'm a lifelong, career-long HR leader, your responsibility is not to protect jobs. Your responsibility is to keep delivering your service as best you can and serve the business. And, and that means serving your shareholders. We here at The Receptionist and here on this show talk about employee supremacy rather than shareholder supremacy. This belief mm -hmm. that if you build trusting teams, if you invest in your employees and the community around you, you actually grow more in the long term. That answer was unsatisfying. And I think unsatisfying yeah. for a lot of people, right? I, I agree. And this could be a really good topic for us to have a constructive debate yeah. about. There's definitely a rational linkage between treat people right and they'll 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 trust you and they'll want to work for you. But when you start applying dollars and headcount and hours to that, yeah, there there's a uh, there's a point of diminishing returns. Yeah. So so I'm saying it can't be based purely on belief. Now, I mentioned there were two episodes with Andrew because after listening to the conversation between Andrew and I, our CEO, Andy Alsup, said, I think there's more here. And Andrew on, on that episode even volunteered to come back and, and have a further discussion. And so we got the two together. We invited Andrew Bartlow back on the show to speak with our founder and CEO, Andy Alsop, about leadership and how leaders view taking a company through exponential growth periods, the stresses and strains that that can place on a business, and how the two different models, employee supremacy and shareholder supremacy, approach that growth and what happens in the moments when things perhaps go a little bit wrong. It seems like uh, employers or the larger companies are saying, hey, we hired somebody right out of college or whatever. They stayed with us for 12 years. They now have two children. They can't work as hard as they were. They're more of a burden on our health plan. They're more of a burden in other areas. They need more vacation. So we'll let, lay off them, and then we're going to go and wait 6, 12 months and then go and hire younger people who aren't going to have the same burden that can work harder and things like that. It's observational only, but does that happen? A very qualified yes. And it's not a conspiracy to go cut you know, mid-life, mid-career professionals. The, the issue that I'd suggest is that there becomes a, um, a bloat of middle management. Uh, and how many organizations have you seen one person managing one person who manages one person? 
um, that is just generally not efficient or effective for anybody. Um, you hire somebody and then they want to build a team because that's part of their career growth opportunity. And these orgs that have been growing quickly have been able to allow that. And they've done that in the interest of talent retention and talent attraction. Hey, you were a senior manager somewhere, come to us, be a director. You had three people working for you, your team can be six. And, and so I, I don't think the organizations are specifically targeting and analyzing, and I know this firsthand, this is not happening to the best of my knowledge, looking at what they're paying for the health plan or how much vacation they get. Um, rather, it's what are we paying for our product engineering and design organization and how far along are we getting on our product roadmap with that expense? Could we do that? At, could we make more progress at a lower cost? Now, as a company, we've made it no secret that we can be so dedicated to this notion and this idea of employee supremacy because so much of the rest of our business is kind of systematized under what's called the entrepreneurial operating system made famous by Gina Wickman in his book, Traction. The entrepreneurial operating system or EOS is a topic that we discussed after Andy and our director of sales, Tom Foster, went to the EOS conference earlier in the year. They came back and we discussed their takeaways from that conference here on the show in our most viewed episode of 2023 and our most downloaded episode as well. And we talked about this concept of family in business and how it can often rub people the wrong way to refer to uh, your, your coworkers, your employees as a family. There can be some nuance and some disagreement in how to use that word in business, in the corporate world. And we had that discussion because it was such a major focal point at the EOS conference that Andy and Tom realized and recognized. So here's a clip from that discussion. I've heard some pushback recently on, you know, companies and, and leaders that refer to their teams or their companies, the, the employees as, as a family. Um, mm -hmm. You don't get to pick your family is what a lot of people say. There's, there's some pushback or some hesitation there because of perhaps family trauma or, or just not having a great family experience. If somebody were to hear what you just said and then kind of compare it to that kind of pushback against family, you, you both have kind of mentioned it's not this weird like, well, I guess, Andy, you called it a cult earlier, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not this weird, like uncomfortable, we're, we're forcing anything on you. But mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could both kind of expand on that and how you see this different than, ah, I don't know that I want to see my, my employees or my, my work group like that. Expand on that a little bit. Well, I, th I think I'd, I'd like to start with it mm -hmm. because this is one, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I've struggled with it. Because you can't fire your family, right? You can't fire a fam, um, family member. They are your family member. You can, unfortunately, sometimes you have to let go of employees. If there isn't a match, if they aren't the right person in the right seat to, mm -hmm. to speak the parlance, mm -hmm. and they may not GWC, get it, want it, and can do it. And so that's where I have struggled with it. But at the same time, I feel like the team of people we have and we've been together for a long time. We've had almost nobody leave this company voluntarily. Mm -hmm. You know, when you see that, it does get to be a little bit more like a family. I just came up today from Santa Fe, my home, and, and come to Denver a lot. 
And when I come in, I'm giving hugs to employees and stuff because they, they, they're really important to us. Mm -hmm. They're important to me. I've gotten to know them. So I do struggle a little bit with the whole family reference, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I feel like we're a family. I don't know. It's, it, it's a tough one. I don't know. That's probably very confusing. Maybe Tom can <laughs> clarify well, that. I don't know. No, I don't think it's super confusing because for me, I came out of the conference. One of the biggest sessions that I really enjoyed was open and honest communication. Right. So what it allowed me to do, Michael, I asked myself this question, am I making this decision out of love or am I making this decision out of fear? Is what I'm about to do or what I'm about to ask a team member to do being done of a fear of mine or a love for them and their growth? And it's really helped me to kind of slow down. Andy and I had a nice meeting this morning where we kind of went back and forth with that kind of idea of, is this for love for the growth of the company and growth of and furtherment of everybody within it? And at the end, we were like, yeah, this is a great idea. Yeah. So those are the kind of things I think for me where the love and the family really comes in is because you can have that separation where it's not like I have to do this because you're a family member. It's I get to do this and I want to do this. And the C, capacity. <laughs> and I have the capacity to do this because I do really care about these individuals and love them in a way that helps their future grow. It is mutually beneficial for everybody, whereas sometimes in families, it's one-sided. And that's where I think there may be a little bit of a difference right. between the family, uh, yeah. family, family and work family. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think there are different types of love. There's what you're talking yeah. about is a, a care, a deep care for the person. Mm -hmm. And Tom, you mentioned that earlier, a, a caring about their well-being, both physically and mentally and emotionally. Uh, that all, I think, makes sense in a in a business sense. Mm -hmm. And Tom, you kind of hit on that there uh, in that answer. And, and Aaron Ferguson on our last an, uh, episode talked about that and the, the unspoken expectations that we set as leaders and managers. So a lot of, lot of good uh, correlation there. Now, when you really care about your team, deeply care about them, it can change the way that you approach guiding and leading and managing that team. And so we had on Aaron Ferguson to talk about leadership and what happens when you do have that environment of trusting teams, often for leaders, for managers, for people in positions of, I'll say, authority. It actually means, good leadership actually means getting out of the way. If I'm a director, I have five people on my team, right? The the immediate thing that we typically that that I see that we go to is there are six people on my team, me and the five people on my team, right? But realistically, being a people manager is a full time job, and so if I am really diving into that, I'm not going to have enough time to do a good job as a sixth team member, mm. and so. I sit down and I think, okay, I have this marketing project. We, we have X outcome, you know, this is how we're going to divide up effort and labor and resources. And we do all this planning, but we factor me in as a sixth person. And I am asserting that we're setting ourselves up for failure. Maybe not for the project, right? The project might go over smoothly and be successful, but what's happening in the long term, right? What's the actual full system well, when we do that, I'm committing up front that I'm not actually going to spend the time thinking about how are my five people doing. I'm not, and not necessarily that you should be checking in constantly, right? I'm not, I don't mm -hmm. 
think micromanagement is a great thing. But even if I'm not constantly calling people into my office, right? Am I sitting down by myself and just thinking about the people on my team? Am I gen when I sit down and I do a one-on-one, am I genuinely asking them what they care about and, and getting to know them? Or am I just asking for an update on their projects? The real result is that we may hit the deadline for this project, but those five people are not being trained as new leaders. They're being micromanaged and, and or ignored, right? They're not getting the relevant feedback. They're not, we're not setting them up for success. And so, yes, I can be a sixth person on the team but do I want to be a bad sixth member or do I want to have five amazing members, right? You're, you're going to get more done on this marketing project when you really empower your people and make that your focus and not an afterthought. Now, curiosity was a theme in several episodes in 2023, but Dr. Joan Fallon came on the show to talk about how curiosity can help us understand not just ourselves, but each other better. How does one get to that view of, of introspection, of, of changing self-belief, of even believing that, that change is needed from the individual rather than everyone else in the company? Does that question make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think the word that comes to my mind as you were speaking is curiosity. Mm. If you have a curiosity about what you're doing, and what's going on out in the world. You have to have a curiosity about yourself and what's going on in your, your inner world and its relationship to the outer world. And I always think of sort of my age when I, when I listen to young people talk and I thought, oh, wow, that sounds outrageous. I'm like, wait a minute, is it really outrageous? Or is it a different way of looking at something? And I'm constantly, constantly curious about where does that sit? And as I went into uh, forming this company, I knew there was a lot of things I did not know. And I also knew that what I would do is find people who did know. And sometimes it was more than one person who knew and they did it differently. So I sought out the people who had more experience than I did, who understood things. Uh, from the more typical way of the way things being done. And then I questioned them. Well, why does it have to be done that way? Well, it's always been done that way. That was never a good answer for me. Is there a reason why it's always been done that way? And more than not, the answer was, no, that's just always been done that way. <laughs> Is there a reason why we can't do it this way? And the lawyer would say, no, you can do it that way. It's just never been done that way. So that's how we did it. Kind of sounds like just uh, tapping into that childlike wonder and curiosity, right? Even as an adult, that's still important for us to do. Am I, am I do going down the right path there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to look at everything in that same, that same light and realize whether it's, you're not doing it because you're jaded because of some experience you have, or whether it's a bias that's built in that you don't even know about and constantly questioning what is going on around an opinion that I have. Now you can find comfort in not knowing everything, in pursuing that curiosity, in being a little bit uncertain in business. And as our customer, Courtney Bell, who I referenced earlier, talked about on the show, 
she discussed how that has guided her as she has run her therapy business and this notion of being okay with being imperfect. What would you say to a, a someone you're supervising, for instance, right. who yeah. you can just get this sense, oh, they're, they're reaching for an answer, but they don't actually know. How do you get mm-hmm. folks to be okay with, with not knowing everything? I'm just here to sit with my clients, to do the best that I can do, to acknowledge that I don't know everything. And thankfully for me, I'm a little obsessed with learning. So I love ingesting information, as much information as I possibly can, and I'm endlessly curious. And I think if you're really curious, it's easier to accept that you're not going to be perfect because there is no end in sight, right? You're just infinitely curious. And so I remind my supervisees, we all mess up. There are moments and sessions where I don't know what to say right? You would think, oh my gosh, you're the therapist. Of course, you know what to say in every single situation. (laughs) No, (laughs) right? There are moments where we don't. And I honestly think that again, that humility and genuineness and authenticity is what allows clients to actually let their guard down and feel safe and comfortable opening up with us. The more real we feel with them, the more real they feel they can be with us. One of the outcomes of being curious, of following that curiosity, can be innovation, and innovative is our eye and fabric. It can also foster connections, ways to collaborate with people. And Patrick Casale came on the show to talk about exactly that, how out of some curiosity, how out of some uncomfortable moments, he actually fostered this new way of growing his business through in-person events held not just in his area, not just here in the United States, but as we discussed, all around the world. There's a relentless like tenacity not to fail. And I noticed very early on that so much of this work is built on relational, uh, relation and connection. Yeah. And my Facebook group has really been a big uh, catalyst for a lot of this. And, you know, just like any other Facebook group started small, 30 people, becomes 100, becomes 10,000. And the thing about my Facebook group is that I'm engaged in it. I try really hard to foster an environment where people feel safe, but they feel like they can talk about things that are, um, that are challenging or vulnerable to them or scary. And I, we create a lot of dialogue and discussion. And that's always been my approach to everything is just to create dialogue and discussion and to be curious. And it allows for people to kind of let their guards down. Quality relationships and networking are key in that collaboration to the work that Dr. Daniel Halleck does as a psychologist, an organizational and industrial psychologist. And he came on the show to share how we have to get past those thinly veiled connections in order to grow as people, in order to grow as businesses and leaders. We want to establish deep roots with the people that we connect with on a daily basis. What is the uplift that we're looking at to to network with people in a way that's not cringy. Yeah. And I think I described that cringy way. It's a great term as being a trans, a a greedy transactional consumer. It's all about Mm -hmm. for me. And it's all about how do I tit for tat your transaction? Like I got to close the account and swipe my card. Right. And I, I compare that with being a generous relational investor. And it's interesting because the best analogy I can think of, it's like gardening, right? Some seeds take a long time to germinate 
pop and grow for you to get fruit and others come a little bit faster. So keeping an eye on the long game is going to allow us to continue to be that generous relational investor where we're not just about the transaction. But at the same time, if we're approaching it the right way and we build relationships, it doesn't have to take that long for a networking relationship to yield some really meaningful, mutually beneficial fruit. Now, this next clip is actually from my favorite conversation that I got to have this year here on the show. It's with Tammy Shimp with Burke's Nature, a nonprofit organization. And it was all about how bringing an intentionality to creating company culture, to building and fostering company culture and those connections within your company and detailing out everyone's role and the part that they play in the culture, how that can be a very prescriptive thing. We so often think of culture as this woo-woo, ethereal thing that doesn't really need to be defined that much when in actuality, as you heard from Tammy in that episode, and as you'll hear a little bit in this clip, it can be a very intentional thing to build your culture. And in fact, it can lead to some incredible results when you do so. You call your areas of focus yards, like you're doing yard work. Is, yes. is am, I, am I correct in that? Yeah. So actually, that was the second thing on our list. So now we had these core values. And now we're talking about quarter by quarter, we'll focus on like constructive communication, empowerment, um, effectiveness, structure needed attention, because mm. we all were just doing a little, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. We recognize that we needed to more definition. And the yard work exercise really took each of our focus areas. As a team, we would sit there and figure out, well, where do those other items belong? Who should be doing them? Maybe we don't have anybody to do them. And then what? So it wasn't yeah. a per perfect process, but each, each of those four teams went through this pretty extensive yard work exercise. And now we have this fantastic spreadsheet that identifies the activities of each position and which yards you share. So oh, if you nice. and I shared a yard, that gives me a platform to say, Michael, you know, your weeds are getting a little high over there in the, you know, <laughs> progress reports. What are you going to do about that? So it gives us another way to communicate with one another mm -hmm. across our yards, which is nice. Finally, we brought on a new marketing team member here at The Receptionist, and we brought her onto the show in just the first few weeks on the job, Anastasia Crane, and we really drove home the notion and the core value that we have of R in fabric, which is respect. And we talked about disabilities, the respect for people who have disabilities, whether physically or um, uh, mentally, what have you. We had a, a very frank discussion about ways that companies can put the respect, put the, the respect for people with disabilities at the forefront of how they operate their businesses and the physical spaces that they're in. We want to make sure that we bring a highlight to that. We actually had that conversation just as we were coming out of National Disability Awareness Month here in the United States, and it led for just a wonderfully candid conversation with Anastasia. It feels like even, even us having this conversation beforehand as we were prepping, I even felt a level of I'll say discomfort and like, am I saying the right thing? Am I, am I phrasing this right? Where does that come from, from your perspective? Yeah, I think it's just, um, so like one in four people actually lives with a disability, 
But there are so many people out there who think they don't know anyone who has a disability. Hmm. Um, and, you know, they, they don't really have a lot of personal experience with it. There are a lot of invisible disabilities out there. And so that one in four number kind of sounds, you know, crazy, but it's it's real. It, yeah. It's real. Like it's I think actually 27 percent of the American population has a disability. In the research that I've done in the past, there was a lot of evidence to support the fact that people with disabilities actually stay in their roles longer. They're really adaptable because they've had to learn so many different ways in their own lives. You know, how am I going to reach the counter? How am I going to, you know, take myself to the bathroom? How am I going to do X, Y, Z? And so they're really good at problem solving. Mm -hmm. I guess the message I really want to send is like, give people with disabilities a chance. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is the fabric. So it's fun, authentic, bold, respectful, innovative and collaborative. I can think of right off the top of my head. It's a it's a respect thing. So there you have it. There were some of our favorite moments from this year, 2023. Thank you so much for coming along with us and joining us as we go through not just all the changes to the show and to the format, but to all the topics and ideas that we explore here on the show. Please help us share this show and spread the word about the importance of growing and scaling a company's core values, a company's culture intentionally as a company grows itself. We want to remain true to those core values. We want to remain true to that company culture that so many folks join our companies wanting to be a part of. We want to make sure we grow and foster that as the company itself grows and, and changes and morphs and molds based on the winds of the economy, the, the things that happen that are planned or unplanned, as we've gone through many of those in the last several years. So thanks for joining us on this ride, and we hope to see you more in 2024. The Fabric is hosted by me, Michael Ashford, Director of Marketing here at The Receptionist, and it's produced by our creative manager, James Jordan. If you'd like to give The Receptionist for iPad Visitor Management System a try in your office, jump over to thereceptionist.com slash free trial and give us a test drive for 14 days with no credit card required. See what you think. And until next time, take care.